The accordion man gestures towards Arthur's plate. Arthur offers him his food. A penny from heaven. A long time ago, a million years BC, the best things in life were absolutely free. Free, 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 free. Hello and welcome to Music Fools Crack the Beat. I'm Jacob Mayer and I'm here with my co-host Tom Shanahan. Welcome everyone. In this podcast, we research a piece of music from the perspective of a musician and dancer. Today, we're going to talk about Pennies from Heaven, a classic popular song and jazz standard. And on a swinging note, let's start with Naomi and those damn handsome devils. I really enjoy that. That that's a cool uh, version of Pennies from Heaven. Yeah, what I really like about it is um, it has some really solid swing, like that uh, that walking bass, and uh, the two feeling on the drums that I want two in the drums. Solid swing number to dance to. Right, we were listening to a trumpet solo first, right? And then suddenly the trombone yep. comes in. I think the trombone solo is the best part of that particular track. Personally, that's my personal opinion. But I love like that lazy trombone feel, you know? Beautiful. So today we're going to talk about a song from a movie. The, the song is written by a guy called uh, Johnny Burke. Uh, two guys called Johnny Burke and Arthur Johnston for a movie. But, so the, the interesting thing is, the first recording of the song was, in, was on July 21st, 1936. But it wasn't for the movie. Huh. And it was, by, it was a guy called Eddie... Dutchin. Thank you. 
what I really like about that is is the kind of the sweetness of it. And what I noticed was the bass compared to Naomi's version. The bass I felt was uh, slower. It was on one and three rather than walking yeah. on every beat. Um, yeah, it kind of had a slower feeling about it, which kind of makes it more of a kind of a lazier song. But the drums are rolling still on every beat. They're going a one, two, a one, two. So it still has that kind of swinging feel, but it has a sweetness about it as well, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And what I also thought was interesting was how they transitioned from, it must have been a trumpet with a mute that started off the solo, and then it transitions mm. to a violin solo. Which is an interesting trade-off. Uh, you don't often get, you know, violins and trumpets soloing together, which I thought is pretty cool. But yeah, Duck and Duck and there's an interesting tidbit about him that he has a song. So we'll just move away from Penny's from Heaven for a, a slight moment. He has a song called Old Man Moves. Now once there was a little old man with a funny crooked nose. He lived down in the log hut and we called him Old Man Moves. Cool. I like her singing. It's a, it's a fun song. You, you know, there's also this chromatic motion in the bass kind of like a wave oh. going on underneath her voice. It's pretty ah, cool. Cool. So that was Patricia Norman in 1938. Now, the controversy is this. Now I'm going to challenge the listeners to see what the controversy is by listening to the next clip. He kicked the bucket and old man Moses did. We believe. Oh, fuck it. We believe. Fuck, fuck, fuck it. We believe. He kicked the bucket and old man Moses did. So, so Jacob, um, <laughs> do you hear something there that is maybe rather rude even now? I don't know, man. That that that's pretty <laughs> subtle right there, but um, <laughs> it's it's a cool interpretation. It, I like how she's playing around with the the vocals, though. It also sounds mm -hmm. a little bit like a chicken sound, you know, or a rooster sound. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, 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 yeah. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, that actually made number two in the charts. It made this is an interesting. It sold 170,000 copies of the song when 20,000 were considered a blockbuster at the time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that <laughs> was amazing. a huge hit. Uh, and another interesting tidbit, it was banned in Great Britain. Well, so yeah. So they banned it because, because they thought she was saying that. Now she claimed, I think she claimed, if I remember correctly, that she didn't say that. She was saying bogus, not everything <laughs> and now for some i'm just going to run through the basic main points of the lead sheet and they hit on Perfect. yeah they hit on a lot of the details from the original performance that are important so we start off with the a section tom we have it quoted two times it starts mm -hmm. in the key of c in the a we have the theme quoted two times and both times mm -hmm. we land on a g7 The cadence there on the G7 is a D minor 7 to a G7. The next section of the piece is we're going to call B1 
because this is、mm. a new musical idea and this is also a new lyrical idea. And、mm. here,、uh, the composers have decided to move into the four area, the tonal area of four. And in the key of C, that is F. So there's a cadence from C7 to F. Now, B2 is another four measures where we requote the B theme again. In this particular instance, we're cadencing from D7 to G7. Now, Tom, I have a little bit of a challenge here for you. Uh -oh. So,、oh, I have two clips recorded, and I want、mm -hmm. you to take a moment, and I'd like the listeners to take a moment to listen to both of these and tell me which sounds more correct, which sounds like the original, or even which sounds at, like it's supposed to be that way. Or. Okay, Tom. Let's hear it. What did you come up with? I think I got it. So the 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 lyric is make sure that your umbrella is upside down on that part. Be sure that your umbrella is upside down. That's the clue that that、mm. the end. The first version I think is wrong. Okay. Okay, you're accurate. The I, first version I, is wrong. I don't think the first version is. Does it sound、down. wrong to you, Tom, or do you just know it's wrong from memory? It kind of sounds wrong. I think it's a bit of calling me and calling me. It sounds a bit wrong, and I know how it should sound from listening to the song a gazillion times. Okay. So the the ending two notes are are wrong. The last two notes don't sound right at all. Yes, you're right. You're right.、Yeah. Good good catch.、Yes. Good catch. That is、yes. exactly it. So the reason、yeah. the thing I wanted to point、mm -hmm. out here, Tom, is that yeah, the version one, the one that、uh, is incorrect. Yeah. Version one cadences. Cleanly on G, and cadencing on the G seven. While the version two, which is the correct version, as in it's the version that was written by the composers, so it's the one that's familiar.、Yeah. It actually isn't expected because the expectation is for like the musical expectation is to cadence on the G seven. Yeah,、uh, but instead, instead of moving from F sharp to G. We get a motion from、uh, F natural to A, and that hints at a deceptive cadence. And the clip that I'm having played right there is an example of the cadence going from D7 to G7 to A minor, which would be the deceptive chord, which they don't play, but. They could play. It would give it a different feel to really emphasize that deceptive cadence. So I wanted to point that out because that's a little bit interesting. There, they're they're、uh, throwing the harmonic、uh, sense off. Beautiful. After the second B, again a restatement of the original A theme. Then again,、uh, a fourth time. We have another statement of the A theme, and this is the last time in the basic outline that we hear the A theme.
And this time it changes again and there's a climactic motion up to the high E, uh, which is the highest note we reach in the piece. Then we have a third version of the B theme that's quoted. And that moment is a little bit odd because again, it's being reharmonized with some uh, minor harmonies to express possibly the lyrics uh, of mm. thunder and scampering under a tree. So when you hear it thunder, don't run under a tree. And there's an expectation that it's going to cadence because in B1 and B2 it cadenced. But here it actually doesn't quite cadence properly. It actually moves from E minor to A7. This isn't a true cadence. Moving to A7 actually uh, brings us to a harmony that's meant to emphasize the bombastic ending at the end. Where we finally reach our final cadence of G7 to C. So, Tom, that's just a brief, quick overview nice. of the structure nice. of Pennies from Heaven. It's usually played in C. The Eddie Duckin version, however, they're changing keys each time they present the theme. So I just want to play some quick clips oh, yeah. cool. of when they tra transition to different themes. So the first presentation mm. of the melody comes in C. And that's the same key that Crosby eventually sings it in. We're going to get into that in a second. Mm -hmm. Then Lou Sherwood performs the vocal melody in B flat. For every time it rains, it rains, pennies from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains pennies from heaven? Then lastly, uh, there's, a re there's a move to D and the ensemble finishes off the piece in the key of D, which is interesting the way the keys transition. For you and me. I actually particularly like that transition to D. I think it brings the piece to a, a some, it brings it to a darker place after mm. this sort of bright melody and mm -hmm. singing. It's not a minor, it doesn't move to a minor key or anything mm -hmm. like that, but just the piano is in a low register and is a little, have, has a heavy, heavy feel to me. Um, I like the way the piano is syncopating a little bit more and it's kind of matching that swinging forward driving feel. Um, mm. that, for me, that's the part of the song where I'm like, ah, now we're going, we're going to do a swing out. We're going to, we're going to move forward, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Which neatly brings us on to, um, Bing Crosby from 1936, the movie of the same name, singing Pennies from Heaven. Every time it rains, it rains, pennies from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains pennies from heaven? 
You'll find your fortune fallen all over town. Be sure that your umbrella is upside down. Trade them for a package of sunshine and flowers. If you want the thing you love, you must have showers. So when you hear it thunder, don't run under a tree. There'll be pennies from heaven for you and me. So what I noticed about that, okay, smooth, confident, steady bing, it doesn't swing in the slightest, which is completely no. contrast to the clips we've played already. Now this, this is interesting, right? So Eddie Dutchin recorded on July 21st and Bing Crosby mm. recorded this with the George Stowell Orchestra on July 24th. It's three days later. Mm. So it's really close. Uh, and this is the one that used, used for the movie. It was also inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2004. So the song uh, was a big deal, like, you know. And I think it was like 10 weeks in the charts. Tom, I remember we were talking about this before. This movie was largely a, a, a side project of Bing Crosby's, I think. With Columbia Studios, but... Bing Crosby usually worked for... Paramount Studios. And, and with that... You know, on top of that, what I, what's really interesting about this movie is this was uh, Louis or Louis Armstrong's mm. big movie debut. Ah. And he was, and as I understand it, he was uh, billed as one of the stars, which was cool. also a big deal for a black American at this time. Sure. It wasn't typical for them to be billed in the same category as many of the white stars of the mm. day. There are a couple of theories about why this was, on top of Armstrong just being, of course, a great musician kind of on the rise in popularity mm-hmm. um, as a star. On top of that, he also had a bit of an ongoing musical relationship. So there is li- it's likely that that is a large part of the reason. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to just play a quick clip for you. This is Armstrong doing Skeletons in the Closet, singing the beginning of the first verse. The spooks were having their midnight fling. Mary Megan was in full swing. They shrieked themselves into a cheerful trance. When the skeleton in the closet started to dance. Cool. So, um, so we have Sing. Talking about singing, we have Bing and we have Lou Sherwood. The thing is, what what's interesting here is that uh, Bing Crosby has decided to, you know, the original presentation of the song includes this long introductory section. Yeah. Um, now, we haven't played a clip of that no. yet. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But there's this long introductory section mm. um, that comes before the chorus. And Bing mm. has that in mm. his version. Mm. But Lou Sherwood, the first recording that we talked about, the Eddie Duckin recording, actually does not have that section in it. And our assumption is that this is because... It's dramatic. It's a dramatic situation. And that's what the first verse, first few verses are. They set up this drama. And talking about drama, 
there is a mini TV series, a British TV series from 1978. And it uses the song in a, in a specific scene. We're in a coffee shop. Arthur, the protagonist, played by Bob Hoskins, and the accordion man, a vagrant, played by Kenneth Coley, the only Imperial officer to survive more than one Star Wars movie, and also the man who played Jesus in the life of Brian. Both sit <laughs> hungry in a coffee shop. <laughs> the accordion man is hungry for food. Arthur is hungry for something else. They eat. Arthur smokes. The accordion man gestures towards Arthur's plate. Arthur offers him his food. A penny from heaven. A long time ago, a million years BC, the best things in life were absolutely free. But no one appreciated a sky that was always blue. And no one congratulated a moon that was always new. So it was planned that they would vanish now and then. And you must pay before you get them back again. That's what songs were made for. And you shouldn't be afraid of I love the way they go in and out. When they use songs in the movie, in the TV show, they're lip syncing. And in this particular scene, it's like everybody in the shop is kind of like looking at them a little bit, but carrying, carrying on with their business. But it's as if... They, they never sang the song. It's like a flash dance. It just comes in and out of song and then we carry on with the the drama. And sometimes, Jacob, I, I don't know, I burst into tears laughing when, ba when Bob <laughs> Hoskins, in, in other songs where they have a female singer and Bob Hoskins mm. is lip syncing the female singer, it's just hilarious. I really recommend people yeah, to look, yeah. check the show out. It's brilliant. Well, this is, uh, you know, as I understand it, uh, reading up on uh, Dennis Potter, who is the creator of this show. Um, as I understood it, he had a little bit of disdain for television as a genre. Oh, really? So he was trying to do something very creative with the genre. Mm. And this is something that had not really been done before. Yeah. So on the one hand, this show has, is just like dark tragedy where there are all these horrible things happening mm. in this show. But... And it's not the typical thing you would see on TV at the time, actually. Yeah. You know, TV tended to be a bright place for shiny stars, you know, happy endings. So here you, you have this, uh, you know, dark, tragic storyline with this very real gritty actors. And then out of nowhere, bursting into this happy-go-lucky, you know, pop music. Yeah. Uh, he was also trying to express that, you know, contrast that existed during the depression mm -hmm. era in the 1930s mm -hmm. you know happy pop mm -hmm. and dark difficult times yeah. so it's it's very well done it's too it's, i was surprised I when i when i heard about it tom i thought oh do i have to watch this and then i watched just a little bit of the first episode and i was yeah. hooked yeah me too um i thought what what else was interesting is that the choice of artist so they didn't choose bing crosby I didn't choose mm. Lou Sherwood. I didn't choose um, someone like Billie Holiday or they didn't choose any of these other artists who sang this song. 
They choose a guy who's relatively obscure, unknown, a guy called Arthur Tracy. What I thought was interesting is that Arthur Tracy also played the accordion and he was known as the street singer. And so they used his version. And the, the guy who sings it is also an accordion player. In the TV show, mm. so I thought I thought that was a, mm. a, a a good artistic choice, there, you know. Well, Tom, that that makes a lot of sense. If you listen really closely to the recording, mm. what I notice is th- the instrumentation is set up to have a bit of an accordion behind yeah. the vocal melody line. So it was planned that they would vanish now and then, and you must pay before you get them back again. That's something, you know, Crosby, we can compare a couple of clips actually yeah. right now, Ooh. if if you yeah, don't mind listening to yeah. a couple. Uh, you'll notice Crosby doesn't do that exactly the same way. So, yeah, so you'll notice uh, Arthur Tracy, uh, when you listen to the first clip here, this is a clip of Arthur Tracy's version when he's moving from the introductory verse mm. to the chorus. That what songs were made and you shouldn't be afraid of And this is an interesting part for a variety of reasons. You know, one reason is that uh, the melody and the way that the the notes linger gives a sense of tentativeness that um, kind of builds up tension before we enter the chorus and expresses the lyrics in some ways, I think. But uh, on top of that, You'll notice in the Arthur Tracy version that there's a clear um, instrumental line backing up the voice. And you shouldn't be afraid of And in the Bing version, you're going to notice there's not as much support. Mm. Bing Mm. Crosby Mm. lets his voice stand more on its own. That's what storms were made for. And you shouldn't be afraid for. Tom, I, I don't know if you also noticed before Bing sings, there's that heavy double bass, bow double bass sound to evoke thunder. That's what storms were made for. I want to go to one other comparison. So let's take a look at uh, this is. Remember, I mentioned there is a B, an A kind of theme and a B mm-hmm. theme. So this is uh, on the third quotation of the B mm-hmm. theme, the one towards the end. And you'll notice again in the Bing Crosby orchestration, there's going to be that you know dark low double bass orchestration. Mm-hmm. Um, and and remember, this is the section where we're talking about thunder and things like that. So when you hear it thunder. Don't run under a tree. And then in the Arthur Tracy version, you're going to notice a little bit less of that, but you'll have, again, that vocal support mm. uh, from the instrument that's going to really be backing up his voice. So when you hear it thunder, don't run under a tree. I really like the way he pronounces his words. He's got that, mm. when you hear the thun, he really has a very proper British, almost like British English with singing. It's it's really, I really like it. I really like it. So 
I was thinking that that is another reason maybe why they chose Possibly, that because yeah. it's this massive contrast between mm. this uh, rambling accordion a pl- player who's, you know, a, he's a struggling guy he's living homeless, on the streets. Especially homeless, yeah. He has some... Epileptic, he's right? Epileptic, I think he has an epileptic And he's, he's not quite the full biscuit, we would say. And then he's breaks into song, yeah. uh, you know, sounding like, you know, some kind of English gentleman mm. of the you know, turn of the century. I don't know. You just, you just reminded me as well when he's singing the the first few verses and he's, he's looking up Arthur who's Bob Hoskins in the TV show and he's just pointing his sausage at him. (laughs) It's so (laughs) funny. (laughs) And then when he says that singing the chorus and when he starts singing this line, so when you hear thunder don't run under a tree, he's, Mm -hmm. it's thunder happens in the background and he's kind of crouches down and he kind of spins around the room. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that was really interesting. Yeah, it, it's very well done. Actually, oh, I cannot remember the name of that. There's another great number in that first uh, ep- episode, the one where they're talking about the the ladies are dancing yeah. at home and talking about shoveling yeah, one of the guys yeah. into yeah. A, an oven or something. <laughs> Post-production Tom here. That number was titled, I'd be glad when you're dead, you rascal you, by the Blue Liars. <laughs> Before we end, there was this TV show was made into a movie in America, starring oh yeah 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 Steve Martin and mm-hmm. Vernal Bagneris plays the accordion man and there's oh, okay. a clip nice. where he's dancing playing singing this song and they added a violin solo which i thought we'd end mm-hmm. on that and what i thought was interesting about this guy is that he learned so dancers might know this guy he learned he one of his teachers his dance teachers was a guy called pepsi bethel or alfred pepsi bell which is a great it's name <laughs> and he was a jazz dancer back in the day um a jazz dancer, but he also had a ballet kind of like background. So he's a very interesting. So he wasn't kind of like he had that like excellent posture and that very kind of like solid trunk, I would say, which is mm, a little mm. bit different to other jazz dancers who would be a bit slightly looser. Uh, and when I found that out, it made total sense to me watching this Vernal guy dance and knowing that his teacher was Pepsi. Because I was like, oh, that reminds me a lot of him, you know. Has interesting steps, interesting steps, including, but not limited to, spank the baby, pecking, Woo! the bird flap. I'm not sure if it's called the bird flap. I'm calling it the bird flap. Twisties, a lot of twisting motion. I, I can't think of a sound for twisting. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I was... <laughs> Silly now, we're getting into a silly situation here, Jacob. We're getting into a very silly situation. But pecking, pecking is a chicken, you know. You pretend to be a chicken. So what you do, ladies and gentlemen, you can try this at home. So you hold your hand, your two hands underneath your chin, as if like an upward motion. And you you get your head and you you bring it back and you forward and you Mm. start pecking like a chicken. Now I want everybody at home to do this with me. We're all going to do this. We're all going to peck like chickens. This is a, this is a wow. jazz step, which we all must learn. 
I'm glad this isn't a YouTube video. We're we're not recording our uh, now, our, our usually our when Zoom you see recordings. You, actually, you do this in a in a in a step. Uh, a guy called Frankie Manning would do this a lot, and he would do it in a step called the promenade, is where you go for a walk with your partner, and you're basically facing mm. each other. And the guy might the guy or leader might initiate it by starting to peck at his partner. Now, this is just a sure way to make your partner burst out laughing at you. In embarrassment (laughs) or in disgust (laughs) or I don't know. Now, usually when I do it, it looks like I'm just nodding my head up and down. Uh, So I think on that note, we will we will play that clip of the violin solo. And if you want to get in touch, we have an email. It's Jacob and Tom's podcast at gmail.com. And we also have. Yeah, we could also check us out uh, if you're a Facebook user at Music Fools Crack the Beat. We have a Facebook page. Cool. And on that note. Pennies from heaven for you.